Welcome to the Babbles Nonsense Podcast, where I'm your host, Jonna Grimes, and we're here to discuss any and all things, but especially the shit that I want to talk about. Because let's face it, I have a lot of shit to say. And after all, you are listening to my verbal diary. Let's get started. guys, I'm back with another episode of the Babbles Nonsense Podcast. I have Dr. Solis here with me. He works in the emergency room that I work at. If y'all know where I live, then you know which emergency room I'm talking about, but we always say it shall remain nameless. So Dr. Solis and I wanted to jump on a podcast because he is moving. So welcome, Dr. Solis. Welcome. Welcome. (laughs) Thank you for having me, Jenna. Everyone gets nervous because they're like, but it's just me and you in a room. Yeah, But then I know. you know people are going to listen to it, so then everyone gets nervous, but yes. it's fine. So we wanted to talk about kind of our journey in the ER, and then you're moving. But I wanted to go back, because I think that your story is very interesting, because you are not originally from the United States, correct? Correct. I'm from Panama originally. And then you moved here when you were how old? I was 17. Did I you moved move to the United school? States in 1990. 1990? Yes. So when I was three. Thank you for making me feel even older than I already feel. You're not old. But you moved to, did you move here for school? Yeah, so I finished uh, high school. Okay. At uh, 17, which is not unusual for Panama and the school that I went to. And um, my, uh, I had a family member that had lived in Huntsville for, you know, 30 plus years. And so I came to go to college. And so that's Did how you go to Birmingham? Or- N- no, I actually to here to Huntsville. So uh, you weren't, I forget, you were not, you didn't go straight to being like pre-med doctor, Oh, right? no, 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 no. I forget. I, so tell I, me your story yeah, no. on what you did when you came here. You know, I took the scenic route. So <laughs> um, I came to the United States to go to college and my original plan was to go to engineering school. In fact, oh. I did go to engineering school. I didn't even know that. Oh, yeah. I went to, I started out at Calhoun. Okay. And um, I got an associate's uh, in chemistry and chemical engineering there. And that's when things started to go pear-shaped because I, <laughs> you know, took an EMT class and kind of got hooked on that. Um, but then I also um, moved on to UH, I transferred to UH, and I did uh, four years of engineering until I realized I hated engineering. You so, went through four years, so you yeah. basically were done. Yeah, I was a senior. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not a closer. I, uh, I, I I do things and then I'm like, you know, get to the end. I'm like, okay, I think I'm done with this. So, I had no yeah. idea that you went through four yeah, years. I, same, I did the same thing with nursing. You went to nursing school too? Did you not know that? No. Yeah, no, yeah. I was, uh, well, let's go back. We'll, we'll get to the nursing part uh, later. Uh, but yeah, so I did um, four years of uh, college at, at UAH. And uh, at the time, I had already started in EMS, and I got hooked uh, and, you know, went to paramedic school and loved it. Uh, And then life happens, right? So I uh, started working as a paramedic and loved it. And then I had to work as a paramedic. And um, so the school kind of took a little bit of a backseat and I took a detour. So, uh, I did EMS here, uh, for 
about 15 years. Uh, okay. from, I started in 1991, and I left in 2004 to go to medical school. So you decided, so where was the nursing school in between there? Did you go to engineering, finish it? No, so, to- so I went to engineering, and actually I, I didn't finish. Um, I I guess I could go back and finish. I'm only, at, you know, like maybe like a semester away from <laughs> getting my engineering <laughs> degree. Uh, so, I, you know, I got to my senior year, and I by then I decided, you know what? I love medicine. I think this yeah. is what I want to do, and um, I decided to change to pre-med. Okay. Uh and it, I really took the scenic route because, but you know, by then again, life, ha- you know, happens, and so I ended up, you know, getting married, ended up having a kid, and so I was, you know, working to, you know, put food on the table. Yeah. And so I was, you know, taking classes here and there, you know, one at a time. Was that with the classes that you were taking? Where is it in, for EMT or nursing at the time? So at the time I was pre, it was pre-med. Oh, it was pre-med. Yeah, it was okay. pre-med. So I, I had finished my paramedic. I was working as a paramedic. Uh, I was actually teaching um, back when UH had the program. Then they they closed that program, and I taught a couple at a couple other colleges here. So I changed over to pre-med, and I was taking classes slowly, you know, one at a time. Uh, and towards the end of that, uh, this is circa. 1997 to about 2001 mm-hmm. um i you know got a lot of my pre stuff done and then um my best friend at the time we had kind of similar pathways and uh similar goals so the plan was we were going to go to medical school and he went he went to nursing school and uh, obviously the money was a lot better in nursing than EMS. And so I thought, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, do nursing and then I can do that maybe through medical school mm-hmm. or at least, you know, get ready to. Uh, and so I I did the nursing program uh, and it was a distance program. Okay. And uh, I finished all my classes and I, there, there was a, a practical test you had to take at the mm-hmm. end and I, that's the only thing I needed. That's to it? Yeah, that's the only thing Why I needed. Why didn't you finish? Because I got into medical school. So, but you still could have taken the exam and then worked as a nurse during I, medical school, right? I could have, although I don't know. And, and I did research this and, and think about it is, you know, how realistic it was to, uh, how realistic it was to work during medical school. Okay, yeah. And I didn't realize, I didn't think it was going to be that realistic for me okay. to work. Um, and then also money plays into it right mm-hmm. so you know at the time it, it kind of seems silly but it, it's not i mean i'm, I'm living on a paramedic sal- salary and i'm about to have no salary at all yeah and um you know that practical test was like seventeen, eighteen hundred dollars mm. and so it's like well do i spend seventeen, eighteen hundred dollars and then have to go through licensing for something that i might not use yeah because that means you can't do 12-hour shifts and be a medical no, school no. so that wouldn't work. and in fact uh i you know, I, I didn't work at all during medical school. I, and I, I don't think I could have because it wasn't just medical school, but it was medical school with a, you know, uh, th- you know two-year-old. Yeah. So um, I, I, 
it wouldn't have worked out. Yeah. I, I don't think it could have worked. Uh, but that does that make you appreciate more since you are an ER doctor? Does that make you appreciate more the nursing side of things? And because you kind of you kind of been through it all, like you had to do clinicals, obviously, to get into nursing school and things like that. Oh yeah, and I, you know, I I think so. Yeah. Um, you know, and maybe it's me being kind of fool myself, but no, I I, I think my background um, really has helped me. And it's funny because for the longest time, uh, and we tend to kind of be our own. Our, our own worst critics mm-hmm. for the longest time i felt bad and i gave myself a hard time about taking the scenic route and not no. you know going straight through and and all the quote-unquote wasted time it wasn't wasted time no. you know it, it i think really it makes took, you a better doctor it took all those experiences to get me to where i am yeah. and and to make me the doctor that i was um and you know i gotta go back and i gotta think a lot of people that I can't individually name but when I first came to the United States again I'm I'm a kid I'm a 17 year old kid from you know I lived in Panama City all my life but I'm really a country boy from Panama yeah and I came to you know rural deep south <laughs> and I was basically in the just, 90s <laughs> in the 90s and I was basically just absolutely Taken up as a family mm-hmm. by um, the ER at at Athens, and uh, those people to this day are my family. Yeah. Um, and and you know how it is. You know yeah. we call ourselves a family in the ER because we go through so much together. It's very dysfunctional. Uh, and it is very it is dysfunctional a dysfunctional family, but it's a family. Sometimes incestuous family, <laughs> but um, but we are you know we are a family, yeah. and 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 I think we we go through so much together. But those people raised me from, you know, uh, literally a little boy um, into a competent, you know, provider and, and, and paramedic. Yeah. And so back then in those days, too, is we at Athens, the paramedics work in the ER. So I was basically a tech okay. for about 15 years. Okay. So, so you've done it all. Yeah. Paramedic, so, teching, yeah, nursing. C- because we, we, you know, at Athens back in those days... Um, you didn't have a station. You were in the ER. So yeah. you worked in the ER. And when you got a call, you left and went, picked the patient up, brought okay. him back, and then you took care of that patient there. So it w- it gave us a different experience and um, a lot of insight because you could follow that patient longitudinally, which is something, you know, in EMS you don't often get. Yeah. Um, you know, we did the EKGs for the whole hospital. So, you know, we would get to follow that patient up when they went up to the ICU or we would transfer them to another facility in the region. Um, and so it's, um, it's, I think all those experiences did contribute to the, oh, the sure. person that I am now and the, and the doctor that I am now. I for sure believe that because not saying that doctors don't care about their patients because obviously you got into medicine because you care about people, but it's been often said that like nurses like will go into a room and then they see everything like the family, the, the vital signs, everything where when Dr. Williams tells her story, she says, she goes into the room, she sees a person, she sees cells, she sees anatomy. She's not seeing the emotion because she has to take the emotion out of it. So I think that gives you more of a well-rounded like oh I can see everything in the room versus this patient's just a bunch of cells biology anatomy you know I I think I don't know that for me was and I think that is a difference in um, the traditional medical student 
going on to residency and going to, uh, you know, becoming an attending versus the non-traditional one that has some other life experience before, right? Especially if that ex- experience is in healthcare, right? Mm-hmm. You know, former medics, former nurses, former, you know, uh, PAs, nurse practitioners, what, whatever you, you have. Um, it does give you a little t- different perspective because, you know, what I do as a physician is different than what I did as a paramedic. Mm-hmm. Ironically, I think it's more similar um, in some ways yeah. to what I did as a paramedic. You know, however, and, and this is one thing that I miss because to me, being a paramedic was medicine in its purest form. It was you and the patient in a, you know, you know, yeah. you know, 12 foot by 12 foot aluminum box. Yeah. And you have to do it all. So you have to not only make the decisions, but you have to make it happen, right? Yeah. You know, now I walk into a room, I see a patient, you know, I, I examine them, I talk to them, I make a decision, and then I have to rely on somebody else to make the things happen, yeah. right? So because I have you know, another 14, 15, 17, however many patients uh, simultaneously. So I'm more of a thinker and a decision maker than yeah. a doer, yeah. right? Um, I don't have to start the IV. I don't have to give the meds. I don't have to do the things. And by extension, I'm not necessarily in the room for that whole period of time, you know, interacting with yeah. the patient, interacting to the, with the family. So I had to rely on the folks that are in the room to come to me and say, yeah. hey, you didn't pick up on this, or the patient said this after you left, or you know, things have changed. Well, I've learned um, that too, as from going from transitioning from a nurse to a nurse practitioner role, that was really hard for me to accept not being in the room, like starting the IV and doing the things, because then I felt like I wasn't doing anything for the patient. Yeah. And that took a good year or two to be like, okay, I actually am helping the patient because I have to think and do and order. But that was a very hard transition for me. And so I'm assuming that was the same for you from paramedic to physician. Well, like, I need to be doing the things. <laughs> yes, that, that was a very difficult transition and um it it it, it, it's funny because it happens gradually right Mm -hmm. you know with in medical school you have you know limited responsibilities and you pick up more and more and more and more uh and then you hit residency and you go from having little to no responsibility and layers of people checking on you to you know it's all on you Mm -hmm. the responsibility you still have layers of people checking on you you have the attending that you've you know checked out to and you you know consult and they tell you you know they smack you in the back of the head <laughs> and say don't do that that's stupid uh, or you know the experienced nurse that does that before even you get to the attending uh, but yeah it, it was very very difficult thinking your mindset from okay I, I i gotta make this happen make it happen and then move on to the next step yeah. it's now uh, my job is really more of a thinker and decision maker. Um, and But then you can transition that so that you're not just making a decision as to what's going to happen next, but what needs to happen next and the next step and the next step. And I think that's mm-hmm. one of the things that I try to you know, teach you know, when I'm teaching paramedics, when I'm teaching uh, my residents is, you gotta start. You gotta stay two steps ahead of the mm-hmm. patient, and not just make a decision as to what's going to happen next. But when what you do next doesn't work or does work, what's that next step? Yep. You need to be proactive more than reactive. 
Agreed. Uh, and I think that's another big change from, you know, what I was doing before and yeah. what I'm doing now. Well, same with me, like, because you just think about what's going on in the room at the moment instead of saying, well, what if this blood pressure drops? What if, like, so you have to play the what if game, like, what yeah. if all these things happen? So now transitioning into that, you've been an ER doctor for how long now? Uh, I finished residency in 2011, so it's it's my 10th year out. Is it really? Yeah. It's my 10th year as nurse, nurse practitioner. Well, see, there you go. Oh, my gosh. So yeah. we finished at the same time. Yeah. 2010, you 2011, said? yeah. Okay. Wow. That is so cool. I did not even know that. Wow. We See, I'm learning a lot right here. This is like, I love doing podcasts with people that you know because you think you know them until you yeah. start asking them and interviewing them. So I love doing this. So we were talking that we wanted to talk about changes in life. Yes. So we, how long have you been at Huntsville Hospital ER? Ten, uh, ten years. Okay. Yeah. So you started there as your first job. This was my first job out of residency. Yes. Okay, so and and that always that was always my plan was to come back home because Huntsville's home. Yeah, this is, what this month home. did you start there? Uh, August. Oh my god! So seriously, so I didn't get a job in Huntsville when I first graduated nursing school in 2010 yeah. because they weren't hiring at the time. Huntsville Hospital was on and popping at that time, yeah. so I went back to my hometown Winchester and worked for a year. So I started in September of 2011. So you were only there a year before me, but I thought you were this. No, 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 no. Actually, so I was I was there a month before you. If no, you no, no, I started 2011. Yeah, that's when I started. Oh, so you were only there a month? Yeah. Oh I started. Gosh, I, I started in August, so I guess we we started at the same time. And I thought you were just this experienced doctor. Like I didn't know. I didn't realize you were new. No, I was. I was brand new at the residency. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! I so think we grew it up well. in the yard ER together, and yeah. we're leaving at the same time. Yeah. Oh, this is like it's, this is funny. So we're gonna talk about you leaving, and the changes that we've seen throughout our years in emergency medicine. Yeah. So you have decided to take a job in Augusta, Georgia. Correct. So I'm. That's where I did residency. Okay. And I, um, you know, I, I thought about staying there. I love academics. I love teaching. Um, part of the plan was to come back home and start a residency here, and that that never happened. That would be cool. Uh, I think we would have. It's going to happen. Great residency. Yeah, so it, much. It, it will eventually happen. Um, but I. Um, that's why I did residency, and I stayed on faculty there. So actually, I have been doing some teaching there. Uh, between all my different interests because you know i'm so add i can't pick a, <laughs> a single thing to kind of focus and guys on. he has to have like 700 so, different jobs he cannot so. even not be still like i'm shocked that we even get to go have brunch and do a podcast today because you have five thousand jobs well i'm home i'm not homeless <laughs> i'm i'm jobless now so <laughs> you're not jobless you have a job yeah i don't, I don't start until you know the first of november so <laughs> You have a, a few weeks off, finally. I do. Actually, that's not true. I'm, I'm working my second or third job next week. Oh, like, Lord. You know, to, Tuesday through Friday or Saturday or something. So. But so how does it feel for you after 10 years is a decade, right? I know that sounds really yeah, stupid. <laughs> it's... Okay, so a decade at this home, this place. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've been here since you were 17. Um but this is your home. Yeah. So how does that feel transitioning into a new job, a new role? Like, obviously you have friends down there because you did residency. Yeah. But this is where you, you have said to me multiple times, this is your home. Yeah. How does that feel? Because you said you walked out of the ER last night for the last time. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's sad. It's you sad. know, it's uh, bittersweet. It's, it's scary. 
Um, and it's not like I'm going on to, in, into the complete unknown. You already said it. Um, that's where I did residency. Mm-hmm. I've been on faculty there. Uh, you know, over the last year, I did my uh, ultrasound fellowship there. And um, I have lots of friends and, and, and buddies there. I, love, I know a lot of the, uh, the nurses and the physicians, although not, not so many of the nurses now because they've all <laughs> left. You know, that's yeah. a universal thing. Uh, but it's 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 a complex feeling. Um, I love this area. I love Huntsville. It is definitely home. This is where I grew up. You know, mm-hmm. I, my entire adult life, other than going away from medical school and residency, has you know was was here. You know, I I, I grew up here. You know, mm-hmm. I had you know my first love was here, uh, both you know career wise and you know not and personal wise uh so it's hard to leave but also i think i I, i'm the more i uh experience the more people i talk to i think this is the right decision because i i I haven't had a single person tell me hey you're making a mistake yeah this is what you need to do and I think for 10 years, I was kind of battling that mm-hmm. uh, because this is home yeah. and I'm in the, my comfort zone. I didn't want to leave this place because it was comfortable. Not that it's a comfortable place to work. I mean, we we <laughs> no, do some hard not. work and we have, you know, we see some really, really sick people and, and really high acuity. I think after 10 years, I at this job, it's made me now ready to move on to the next step. Yeah. Um, and so... I think the opportunity is coming uh, and the path that is before me is the right path. Uh, and I see a lot of opportunity there. All my people are there too. Yeah. You know, not that my people are not here either. Uh, but it's a second you know, home to you but in it's, a sense. It's, it's a second home for yeah. me. I, I mean, that's why I did residency. And again, it, it's a, it's funny because I, I've seen the progression and the, the, the way that a physician is trained, uh, and I can compare that to the way I was, you know, raised up as a paramedic, raised up as a nurse that I never, you know, you know, practiced uh, as, uh, and you rely on a tribe of people to bring you up for sure, and to make you better, mm-hmm. and and to rely on their experiences and to. Uh, rely on the mis- mistakes that they've made so that you don't have to make them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, my first work family and my first uh, racing was here. My second one was there, yeah. right? And I came back here and was able to participate and kind of help teach and train um, in the same environment that I was you know, taught and trained, and now I'm doing the same thing. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of transitioning into the next step. It's a different transition, probably a little bit slower pace, I would assume. Um. Well, not really. I mean, it's, no? it's still going to be a level one trauma center. Okay. It's still going to be, you know, a busy ER. It won't be as busy as ours, um, you know, because ours is just, you know, kind of crazy, <laughs> Um. you know, volume acuity wise. But it's still going to be, um. you know, high volume, high acuity. Uh, in some ways, it might be even more difficult because, you know, here I am either relying on myself, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm working either by myself or I'm working with one of you guys, yeah. right? 
uh, tops maybe two mm -hmm. uh, over there you know i want to have multiple resins yeah so that's true you know it, it it's more of a zone coverage type where i have to keep up with you know multiple learning clinicians doing their own thing yeah. and then you know smacking them in the back <laughs> of the head when they when you'll doing never something. do that you're too sweet to do that but uh, I feel like that's right up your alley because you can mold and train a physician into being someone who you are. Like, I think that you're very talented, very educated. I mean, you know what to do. You don't get overwhelmed very easily. I just think that that would be a great job for you is to teach these young physicians to be better off. Because think about during COVID and the physicians that were training during COVID and some of these hospitals, like when we first had COVID come to our hospital, there was no one in the ER. Yeah. No one. And so what was their training like during that? Because we say the same thing for nurses. They weren't allowed to go to clinicals for a year. Yeah. So what are those, when they come out, going to be like? Uh, and you really, uh, we don't know, exactly. right? So we, um, you know, COVID has definitely presented a training pro problem. It presented a training problem for, for our paramedic students. Well, it's not just a training problem. It's no students. one wants to do medicine anymore. Nobody wants to do anything anymore, right? <laughs> oh, so, you know, we, we have a we have a supply, you know, uh, line <laughs> no problem. No one wants to work. With, you know, well, I, and I, I think, it, especially when it comes to healthcare, and, yeah. and it's a crisis when it comes to EMS, you know, uh, there was a USA Today article the other day that talked about one third of EMS providers last year did not renew their license. Mm -hmm. And so that leaves two thirds working. And out of that two thirds, I think maybe, I forget the numbers, one third was actually providing patient care. I know. So you have one third of providers working. Same thing with nursing, right? Yeah. We we don't have a shortage of beds. There's plenty of beds. We don't have the nurses we don't have staff. to take care of the patients. So um that's that's a huge problem. Yeah. And it's healthcare is hard. Uh it's hard emotionally, it's hard physically, it's uh it's turned into a service industry, which, which makes not. it even worse. <laughs> which makes me so mad. Um, it really, it really lots of fire under my ass when people are like, that we need to be giving wheelchairs to people who have toothaches or can walk, or we need to, you know, give you a sandwich and a blanket. No, we don't. No, we don't. You know, I think <laughs> it's hard because we do. You know, it can go both ways, right? But, wait, so but we it's can not get, a hotel. Let's just get that straight. It's not. I mean, it... You, and we're never going to get the service scores that a hotel has because we are not that. Well, I, I think you have to remember that we are taking care of people often on the worst day of their life. And that worst day of their life can look a number of different ways. If you're young spraining your ankle for the first time and having real pain for the first time is the worst day of your life, right? Because, you know, you haven't had anything worse than that. Um, that worst day of your life can also be a family member dying, right? Or yeah. or them having a heart attack or, you know, them getting mugged and shot. And so I try to strive to take the best care of people that I can and remember that they're in a situation that is often their worst day, but relying on those people to 
give you a grade on hey how well was your service this day you know how you know what how did you feel about you know how you were taken care of it's often unrealistic yeah. and i don't think the right focus um yes we need to make sure that we take care of people and we treat them with respect that we treat them we, we try to um reduce their pain reduce their anxiety and do a good job and i i you know, I'd like to treat people the way I would want to be treated when I go to the emergency department if I'm sick mm-hmm. or ill. But, you know, relying on somebody's opinion on, on how well their care was when, you know, hey, somebody didn't bring me a sandwich or, <laughs> it, it's, you know, it's, it, it, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. And, and it's, you know, I don't like, you know, quote unquote, newfangled terms, but, you know, people often use you know, burnout or, you know, moral injury. And I think it is, it is that. And well, I'll, I'll give you an example and I probably shouldn't say this, but you know, it, it, so over the last couple of days, two weeks, it's been kind of a slow goodbye, yeah. you know, telling a lot of people goodbye. And it's sad. Yeah. Uh, it, it, you know, it is like I'm leaving home again. Um, but it's also made me feel good because of the response that I've had and, you know, what folks are telling me, you know, about how they're going to miss me and, and, and their experiences with me mm-hmm. in the resuscitation room or, or, you know, teaching them <laughs> or whatever. So it makes me good, feel good as yeah. a physician and, a, and as a person. Um, and then last night I was in, emptying my, uh, my mailbox and uh, we get, you know, a little you know, patient satisfaction scores like once a quarter with, you know, uh, you know, comments. And I had four comments and one of the comments was, you know, glowing. And then the other three comments were just absolutely, it, it just kind of tore me down. But, you know? and that, and, and and I, but you're not, that's where I get irritated because those comments were probably either you didn't keep giving them pain medicine or you didn't give them something they wanted because you're not, you're a very good doctor. You're actually a very kind and caring doctor. You're not one of our doctors that just say, hi, bye, go. Yeah, and I gotta take it with, I gotta, you know, take both, look at both sides of the coin, right? So what was it in that interaction that made that patient or that patient's family member feel that way for them to write that specific comment? You know, and three of those comments, I'm like, this is not me. I don't know if are are they. Sh- am I sure that they got the right dog? Probably because not. This is not. But they may have, right? I I don't know if you know. Was I in a particularly bad mood that day? I don't know that that's the case. Was it that I just didn't ask the right questions? You know, I I tell residents often that you know we in and nurses we focus on the chief complaint when somebody walk walks in what's your chief complaint what what is it that you're here for mm-hmm. right and so you know it says chest pain or shortness of breath or dizziness or whatever you know and i really think the most important thing we need to focus on is is the rrv the real reason for visit why are you in my emergency department and it's not often the complaint is what is it that's worrying you mm-hmm. you know often it's off it's it's obvious you know you come in you know, you, you fell, you broke your arm, there's a piece of bone sticking out, mm. you know, that's the reason for a visit. But 
sometimes, especially in these vague ones where, you know, how dizziness or weakness or, yeah. or, or even social, know, or, like know. if someone keeps coming in every day, then you finally, and when they finally ask, like, what's it, why are you really, like, is something going on at home? And then they'll tell you like, oh, my wife just passed away. I'm just lonely. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, you know, the real reason for visit is really the more important yeah. thing. And so often they're not the same. And often that doesn't come out until the very end because we are so chief complaint focused. Oh, you come in with chest pain and, uh, or let's say abdominal pain or nausea or weakness, dizziness. I don't know. Um, you do a workup, you go in and tell the patient, Hey, good news. You know, everything looks good. You know, I can't tell you what's yeah. causing this, but I can tell you that it's not anything bad. And they'll say, well, what about this? Or, you know, so I don't have cancer. And so, you have somebody that's been sitting in your emergency department for however long, worried that whatever vague complaint they have yeah. is cancer because they Googled it and, yeah. you know. Which so, is, please stay off Google. Uh, and so you really need to listen and try to get that up front because yeah. that would save a lot of time. But often the patient doesn't really want to, you know, you know, maybe the complaint seems silly or maybe they just can't express what is really that, that they're, yeah. that they, that, they're worried about. No, I, I completely agree with that. And I mean, all things come to an end, you know, like I'm leaving. Um, my last day in the ER will be next month, but I'm actually not going to another ER like you are. I'm going to a completely different facility. I'm going to work at the orthopedic center doing completely different stuff that I've never done, which is scary. I don't know about you, but when I make a decision, like it takes number one, I'm indecisive and I can't make a decision. So after I made my decision and accepted this job, Literally couldn't sleep for the next three days. I'd lay in bed going, oh, my God, did I make the right decision? Oh, my God, am I going to, you know, oh, my God, this. And my aunt was like, Jonna, if you say that you made the wrong decision, I'm blocking you and I'm not allowing you to text me anymore, which everyone knows on this podcast that my aunt is like my personal therapist. So that would be just devastating. So did you go through a period where you were like freak out mode? Like, did I just make the wrong decision? I'm still there, right? (laughs) I'm still asking myself is this the right decision i i'm pretty sure it is yeah um and it's not just me rationalizing hey this is the right decision but you know i've listened to i I think one of the things that made me make this decision is finally stop telling myself what i wanted to do or Mm -hmm. what i needed to do and being resistance to to this idea of moving away from Huntsville uh, because that was their definitely a thing yeah and listen to God's speaking God yeah. speaking to me and saying hey this is your path this is what you need to, yeah. to do um and I think it got to you know it, I've had this opportunity before and I've turned it down and turned it down and turned it down and then I think finally got to the point where I now feel it's the right time I I know what you're saying because when I could, when again Huntsville wasn't hiring when I mm-hmm. graduated from nurse practitioner school, so I had to move to Nashville for a year, and I wasn't ready. Like I just had to throw myself into that because I needed a job, right? So you have mm-hmm. to go where the money is. But I cried. I I resisted it, resisted it, resisted it. Called every day. You got a job yet? Do you got a job yet? Moved back to Huntsville because I had this whole idea in my head. This is where I will be. This is where because I'm not from here either. Yeah. Um, but all my friends are now my family, and I was like, I can't be away from my family. But when I started looking for jobs again, 
I actually did start branching out to other places because I was like, you know what? They'll always be my family. I think I'm now ready. I'm listening to the universe. Like my aunt always tells me, if you put positivity out there, you're going to get things back. And I started getting all of these job calls from everywhere, Nashville, Chattanooga, Georgia, Texas. And, you know, I was open to the idea of moving if I had to because I've just, like, I know you said you don't want to do quote-unquote burnout, but I am burnout. Ten years, they say about ten years in the ER is kind of the max. It's kind of like you're just... I'm just done with all, like, I'm getting to the point where it's negative for me, which does affect patient care in the end. Yeah. So I think the best thing for a patient care is to realize where you are in your moment and to say, okay, I need to take a step back from this. Yeah. And and it's hard though, right? Yeah, it is. Because again, you're you're stepping outside of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. It's also an opportunity to learn something new, right? And it doesn't mean that you can't come back to what you did before with more experience, a different perspective, and a different set of skills, That's right? That's very true. So um, you talked about earlier, you know, we are a very dysfunctional family, <laughs> and we jokingly often say in the ED uh, that it, it's like being in an abusive relationship. Yeah. You know, not to minimize being what being, being in an abusive relationship is like, but... Yeah. You, but that's the only thing that we can relate it yeah, to. Yeah, that's, you know, you, you're you're getting you're getting the beat down every day. Yeah. But, you, you know, you kind of thrive on it and, and you, you keep coming back. And then when you when you have the opportunity to leave, you're just like, oh. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, know, it, it's, I it's um, you know. I, <laughs> it's hard to. It's hard. It's hard to explain what we're saying if you've never been to an emergency room. Like, I know a lot of my friends didn't realize, like, why my personality has developed into the mm-hmm. way it is very blunt, very matter of fact, kind of non-emotional. But then when my friends saw me in action at work, cause one of their family members got very sick and saw me take that same personality and be blunt and say, you're going to do this and take the emotion out of it. She came to me after seeing that and was like, I completely understand your personality now. And, and, and I think, uh, emergency medicine, emergency nursing, you know, the, the same thing. It's one of those things that, you either love it or you hate it. You can't be lukewarm about it, yep. right? Nobody is in the ED going like, yeah, this is okay, but I'll find <laughs> something else to do some some other time, yeah. right? You know, and, you know, when you precept, you find out very, very quickly, this is my tribe, this is my place, yep. or no. And it's the same thing with, with physicians, you know? Like, you know, if, if you have the mind of a nephrologist, you will not thrive in the ED, right? Well, you it's, will. It's you straight, hate to go in. To it's go straight ADD the ED. brain, right? Like, like, like you said, you're so ADD, but that's good for you because in the ER, people think, oh, you just go in. No, you go in and see patients, but then again, you might have a trauma coming in, but then you also have three physicians on the phone waiting for you. Then it's like, oh, I got to go sew this slack. So you have to have that brain I, I, functionality. I, I, of, I think you have to be able to compartmentalize. Yeah. While at the same time not losing sight of the overall picture. Agreed. Uh, and it's a very, very weird thing to do to have to, you know, I'm focusing on what I'm doing right now, which is critical, which is putting a central line or intubating this patient, or I have this patient that's septic that I need to put on pressors, and I need to really aggressively resuscitate that patient. While on the same time, in the back of your mind, thinking about the rest of the department and the fact that, you know, you still have a patient in another room that, you know, needs... A, you know, a consult or may have to go to the cath lab. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you can't, you can hyper-focus while at the same time you have to kind of keep that background overall Still picture of the ED. 
and then you know the fact that you know and, and nurses you know that i talk to uh, all the time and rts and, and other personnel you know physicians we kind of learn the noises right mm-hmm. so you know that you know you're you'll be doing something in the room and then you know i'll hear the automatic stretcher kind of coming up and down so i know that i have a patient going out there or i'll hear the hissing <laughs> of a you know high flow oxygen going by so i know so okay I, get, I got something back up <laughs> yeah. or or lucas doing cpr or the alarms right and yeah. so you have to kind of pick up on those cues so yeah it's it's very very add by design but it's if, funny if you that can't, you say that because do you forget about those cues when you go home now Cause I do like, I don't like new nurses. Like when I was a new nurse mm-hmm. and new, like when you have new members come into the yard, ER, they'll say, God, I just thought I heard the monitor all night long. I used to. Oh, now I like don't. at home. Yeah. Like at oh, home, yeah, like no. you're just like, like the new nurses will be like all night last night. I thought I heard the monitor going off <laughs> and you're like, no, you did it. Well, and I think that's, that's, that's part of your training, right? And that's part of how you kind of mature is you, you start to learn how to tune things out. Yeah. You know, you get hyper-focused to those sounds and, oh, that sounded like, you know, the alarm. Yeah. Uh, and then you kind of learn to tune things that don't matter out. So. Yeah, I agree. Well, it's almost time for us to go to brunch. Is there anything else that you would like to say on the podcast before we go? No, I, I again, thank you for having me on the podcast. Uh, I want to say it's been a pleasure working with you and, you know, can be strangers <laughs> um and i did start out by, by saying this and and i don't know if anybody uh you know uh that i know from back in the day uh is listening to this but uh i do have a lot of people to thank um uh, that i there's too many of them to name but you know to all of you who brought me out from a little baby you know person and a little baby medic to where I am now, you know, both here and in Augusta, where I'm going back to second home. Uh, thank you. Thank you. And uh, I think transitions are a good, you know, good time to stop and reflect and uh, see what has gone right, what has gone wrong, what you can change, but mostly to be grateful. Mm-hmm. And you need to express that uh, that gratefulness to the people who have allowed you to become who you are Agreed. and so uh to all of the all of you who have worked with me at uh, um janus general as i call it and um before uh thank you so much and uh I won't forget you, and uh, you'll see me around. And this is not goodbye. This nope. is see you later. No, this is see you later. So, But since um, I made my friend uh, David um, introduce a podcast in a different language, I want you to exit the podcast in Spanish. I want you to say, until next time, bye. Uh, well, I'll say this, okay. because my dad had a saying, which is, and I'll translate it. It says, um, we don't say... Um, what did he used to say? <laughs> so, uh, no decimos uh, muchas gracias, decimos muchas veces. We don't say thank you, we say it many times. Okay. okay. So, Jonah, muchas veces. We'll do this again sometime. Oh, I love it. Okay, guys, until next time, this is goodbye.